You're listening to the Women's Football Talk podcast. I'm Brad. And I'm Regan. The race is well and truly heating up. Hope you're all doing well. Thank you for listening to us. This was a fun weekend in the WSL. I mean, we got everything we wanted in terms of a good title race, a good battle on Saturday for one team, not the other, and uh, some good results on Sunday that uh, gave us a entertaining weekend overall in the WSL. I mean, I'm going to say I got everything I wanted from the WSL this weekend, but I don't know if you did, if I'm no. honest. But I'm sure we'll get to that because I'm sure you'll have some views on the performance of one team in particular. But before we get to that, there's the other big WSL game we have to talk about first. And it happened last Friday. Chelsea nil, Manchester City won. Title ramifications of this have just added extra spice into the mix. What a win this is for Man City. Such a, such a huge win for him. I mean, we were speaking about it uh, last week, what it could mean in terms of a title race or would that be the title race over if Chelsea were to win it? But yeah, they were absolutely class on Friday, I thought, Man City. Yeah, I think they had a lot of their performance while they spent mostly, I guess, defending for the majority of the 90. Momentum was in... Chelsea's, yeah, I guess the Chelsea had it more so. They didn't really have necessarily all the chances from what I remember. They just were never, never anything too huge until the end of the game with Nuskin. Yeah, Yeah. that one chance then Keating pulled off this double save that was quite amazing, but also almost seemingly normal for her now. She does this on a weekly basis. Yeah, definitely. I think the only other Chelsea player I can think of that had some real chances was uh Erin Cuthbert I mean she again uh had like two or three chances um where shots really didn't test Keating too much or they went over the bar um but yeah other than that I think it was pretty easy for Keating and that Manchester City defense in the end also and should say like Man City's press in this game as well it just seemed to be something that Chelsea would caught out a couple of times by others fell into the trap almost obviously they would have expected it before and they talked about it enough in the pre-match but mm. it didn't stop them falling into as i said the trap and they got caught out with the goal as well Khadija Shaw scoring the finish but it was jess parker who had intercepted the ball off of cuthbert i think it was for yeah. to have the ball back and then park plays Shaw through and it was a lovely finish from from her past anna hampton Mm, definitely. I mean, you saw that even after the goal. That was Manchester City's way of getting through the Chelsea back line was the ball gets played into Jess Park. She would run for a little bit and then try and put a ball uh, into Khadija Shaw's path. Um, and obviously it worked for that goal, but there was other times where it didn't quite work. But yeah, you could see Gareth Taylor's side had a definite game plan of how they were going to have this game all set out both from a defensive standpoint and then how they were going to attack slash counter-attack when they had possession. Yeah, and it felt like Jess Park was a huge factor in all of that as well, which is weird because you see her like on the ball and you think that's an amazing talented player, but a lot of her efforts were off the ball and she was, again, involved in the press, just intercepting and winning the ball back. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was probably one of her best games that we've seen from her in a Manchester City uh, kit that has obviously been 
like uh, a lot of times where she hasn't been getting uh, minutes because of uh, Jill Rod, obviously before her ACL injury, and that was keeping Park on the bench. But now she seems to be coming into her own a bit, and it's definitely uh, helping, especially in that game on Friday. A huge thing for Man City as well, given they would have seen Rod get injured and gone, okay, that's a problem. But they have the players that are there ready to step up if needed. Jess Park has taken the opportunity like just brilliantly. Definitely. And uh, I think she was just like such a standout player and definitely Chelsea, uh, Man City's best player on the pitch on Friday. Back in the England squad as well. Mm. So Probably being rewarded for those performances as well. And Chelsea, though, like there's a bit of a pattern emerging starting to notice against their current fellow title challengers, ignoring Manchester United in this because they've they're not at that level at all. Chelsea have not had great performances against them, and I just wonder how that has an effect on them. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we remember back in December, they lost 4-1 to Arsenal. Uh, then, obviously, this result against Manchester City this time out, and then in a couple of weeks' time, they play... Uh, Arsenal again so uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they do in that one but yeah it hasn't been all uh, perfect for Emma Hayes' side so far No and talking about how it affects affects them in that way when you miss talented players like Sam Kerr Millie Bright it's not just how good they are it's how influential they also probably are amongst the team and is the team or the squad even just more inspired overall when they're available? Oh, definitely. You can tell the well, the pair of them give them a massive confidence boost. And you look at their replacements, both their replacements in Natalie Bjorn and Myra Ramirez, they're literally, what, three, four weeks uh, since joining the team. So they're obviously going to take a bit more time to fully settle in and embed into how... Uh, Chelsea want to play and everything so it's going to take them a bit of time uh, but yeah I think when you lose both key players I mean Millie Bright the stalwart at the back uh, both for club and country and then Sam Kerr you know she's always dangerous you're always thinking that she's going to score a goal so it is um, a big blow for Emma Hayes and it'll be interesting to see how Ramirez and Bjorn do settle in for the rest of this season against uh, the big teams and uh, the rest of the fixtures f- for the rest of this season. Yeah, I mean, more so Myra Ramirez's case. It's difficult given that apparently she doesn't speak a word of English. Uh, Hannah Hampton's had to translate a lot for her. Which doesn't work Hampton's on the pitch time. at all. Well, no, it doesn't. Like, you, what? what? <laughs> like, yeah, that's... No, yeah, no, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking about it in that sense, but... Uh, and obviously, it's a new country, new environment. It's going to be the one to, it's going to take time to adjust to for her. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a lot of pressure on her to come in straight away and, you know, hit the ground running. But mm-hmm. I also think, as well, you lose players who are leaders essentially, Millie Bright as captain, and then Sam Kerr as the vice captain. So, someone else has to step up in that regard and really push the team forward on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think the only player that I can think of that's doing that is Ellen Cuthbert. Yeah. And what I found quite strange um, 
it was spoken a bit by Emma Hayes, like um, the changing of captaincy over the last couple of games, because I know Neve Giles has captained the side a few times and Erin uh, Cuthbert has as well. She seems to be quite happy with um, the interchanging, changing and maybe it's just something, maybe this is just ir- uh, irrespective really, but I'm just thinking maybe if you just have the one leader having it on the armband so you're not changing and you can have that more vocal player because I definitely feel like Erin Cuthbert would be the more vocal type than Neve Charles personally and it can help uh, the squad out more because you know Erin Cuthbert should always go in 100% for a tackle put in usually a strong performance on the pitch very vocal and I think that is something that could actually be hindering Chelsea a little bit is that uh, change of captaincy on a regular basis. Yeah, I completely agree on that. Uh, going back to Manchester City, as we said, a win like this is huge for them. But we know if they are to really go all the way in this and lift the title at the end of the season, they have to avoid what would be seen as a bit of a silly moment where they drop points. So it's mm. all right getting the results against the top four, that's fine, but... It's your games against you know, Brian. You can't lose to them teams. And as we've seen in recent years, whenever they've travelled to Aston Villa, it's, it's not gone their way either. No, but you, you'd even heard Gareth Taylor say about that uh, post-match, like um, this time in previous years, we usually like have fallen off and we're doing silly stuff, but this time we look more strong, resolute and together as a team and a unit i mean they've only conceded eight goals all season like that is mm. mental to uh think about and then when you're speaking of that like their games against the lesser teams i mean next up after the international break for them is uh, a home game against everton and i feel like that could be like one of them weird moments for uh manchester city where you'd expect them to win comfortably because of how poor Everton have been this season. But at the same time, it's like, I've just got a weird feeling that Everton could be the team that would upset them. An Everton team that sits back as much as they did against Chelsea, but Man City somehow find it harder to break them down. Is that what you're, you're thinking in your head somehow just happens because that's the WSL? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just very much. That. It's either Everton are going to hold them off or they're going to be absolutely battered. That's yes, just what, how it goes. No There's no two ways about it. Mm. <laughs> and, uh, but the game I was looking at, if Man City maybe do drop points, penultimate game of the season, they play Arsenal. And if you think about it, we're still talking about the title race at that point. That's that's massive, that match. And every game so far, that's what well, the two games that we've seen Man City and Arsenal face each other and they've both been great. Yeah, definitely. And... I mean, the fact that we theoretically can't even write Arsenal out of the title race anymore. No. They're only three Who, who dared to do that? Honestly, like, only Arsenal fans were secretly going, mm, no. Like, mm. genuinely, even though we've said it, it's like, no, they're not, realistically. No, I mean, there are three points behind both Chelsea and Manchester City. And that game, I mean, imagine if we're coming down to like the last day of the season and all three teams could still win the league that would be absolutely incredible scenes yeah it's all well and good but of course Manchester City have to come through 
at Villa Park <laughs> if they're going to have to do anything about that on the final day. Uh, gosh, that would be yeah, hilarious. More, more on them like later. I'm very happy to talk about my team for a change this time around. But we'll talk uh, Arsenal 3, Manchester United 1. We can talk about Manchester United first. I'll leave it up to you, actually. I'm just, I wasn't sure which one I wanted to go in first. I was happy to go either way on Arsenal or United. Mark Skinner, why are you still here? <laughs> okay, that's just decided just very quickly. Um, yeah, Manchester United, this was not a good performance at all, except for the first five minutes because they looked unbelievable and there was questions of the refereeing. I don't know why Leia Cadena and Sabrina D'Angelo were not booked. It was yeah. this case of refereeing, like referees, like they see the opening and think, it's too early, isn't it, to give bookings? No, they've done something stupid that would get a yellow card any time of the game. Just give it them. Mm. It is an annoying thing. Like, it shouldn't matter whether it's minute one or minute 90. A play can be booked if they're doing stupid stuff. Like, let's so on Sabrina D'Angelo, but like Adidas was the most obvious whatever. She's just pulled mm. her back. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But yeah. other than that, like, it was... A... It was in, that, in that moment, like, Arsenal, you're thinking Arsenal seemed rattled here, but then... As the game goes on, United have just gone, you know, we're not going to bother pressing. We're just going to let Arsenal do their thing. Yeah. I mean, it, after them five minutes, it was woeful from Man United. Just really bad. I couldn't, couldn't understand it at the time. It was just, they just refused to press in any mm. way, shape or form. And then you got Mark Skinner coming out afterwards saying, well, you can't really press for 90 minutes. And while that is true, you've got to at least press for half of that. Because like, it was just a non-existent press. And even mm. if when they tried it, it was awful. Yeah. There was just nothing good about that performance from United. I mean... No idea, really, of what they were doing. What was the no. game plan? That was it. It felt non-existent. The players didn't know, I don't think, really. Defensively, yeah. they're in six and sevens because it's just the balls going in behind them every time. And they're yeah. playing against a forward line that's just good at getting in behind as well. Chloe Lucas and Stina Blackstinius had a fun day at the Emirates, as as did 60,000 people in that ground as well. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about it last week, or I, I think like I certainly did on our YouTube channel, Women's Football Talk, go check that out, how that we felt like Arsenal needed that change of the lineup and have Chloe Lucas in from the start and maybe bring Russo off the bench, and that could help uh, change Arsenal's fortunes, and it work for them perfectly on Saturday. Yeah, we identified this match in particular would work for because they it worked the last time they played them. Blackstein has gone by and she scored in that game. Well, she did score in this one. She laid it. Well, it technically went down as a Blackstein's assist in, in the end, even though it just wasn't. She risk yeah. kicks it and Katie Zellum's clearance finds the head of Chloe Lacasse. And Lacasse has become the first player to score against Manchester United at home and away in the WSL, I saw, which was... Like, there's something quite funny about scoring a really good goal the first game against them this season, and this one was just the most comedy goal ever. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, just looking at the United back four for a second, you had Gemma Evans playing on the left as a uh, left-back. Main had... shift, to be fair to her. And she didn't play well. Then you had Millie Turner and Maya Letizier, and then Hannah Blundell at right back, who obviously isn't a natural right back, but 
with uh, Jade Riviera uh, out injured, she had to play that way. Well, we saw Gemma Evans at her previous club play centre-back. Hannah Blundell's a natural left-back, and May Letizier was even being spoke about as at England level as playing as a right-back. Didn't she play right-back for Brighton? Yes. So Why, <laughs> why didn't Mark Skinner just swap them around? Like, I, don't, I just don't understand it. Yeah, a lot of confusing decisions from Mark Skinner, and it just lays more into the course that he needs to go at the end of the season. And more so, I do believe that, you know, with the changes that are coming at the club, it's all been talked about this week now, that with the deal now done and it's happening, that I think it's just right for them to, to change it in the summer. Yeah, I mean, look, they're not going to get Champions League football because they're seven points behind Arsenal. And I don't see Arsenal dropping that many points. Um, obviously, out of the Conti Cup, FA Cup is the only competition that they're left in now. And uh, I don't even know who who have they got next. Was it Brighton? Brighton. Yeah. I mean, we saw what happened when Man United played Brighton earlier on in the season um, back in November, late November, early December. Uh, obviously, they got the win the other week against them. Which was the first game after Melissa Phillips got sacked, but yeah, I'd, I'd say a lot has changed for Brian since. Mm. But then you got to look at the other big teams that are still left in the FA Cup competition. I still don't see United doing uh, well in that. So if they obviously don't get to the final, then everything they've done the previous season they have regressed massively this season. And they have it, and. Like, there's all this talk after stop marketing. He just keeps talking about investment. The extra, like, we need to be spending more money. But this week, it was also proven that actually those claims just have no weight to them whatsoever, even though they probably didn't have a lot of weight to them anyway. Because did you see that post from football finance expert Kieran Maguire? Because it was the first time that a women's club had posted their financials in like more extensively. Mm, I did. And it was just proof that United women are actually spending pretty much the same amount as the rest of the top four, and they're spending more than most League Two clubs. So the investment claim just doesn't ring true. Well, I mean, the fact that, like, this summer you saw them spend a crazy amount on uh, JC, bringing her from Barcelona. Uh, I believe they spent on bringing Lisa Nelson in. Jim Rivers was signed, which, of course, like, you sign it and then you complain she's not good enough. Well, you you kind of got to help that, haven't you? That's on you. Yeah, I mean, fortunately, I believe Gemma Evans was free because she had left Reading at the time. You bring in Gabby George from uh, Everton. You bring in Fallon Tullis Joyce from the United States. Irene Guerrero comes in. Mia Zawa came in. You bring in uh, Mallard on loan. So. To say that we need to be spending to be competing with the rest of the league, you have spent money, Mark Skinner. It's just you're not utilising the players, right? Or you're saying these players take time to get embedded and it takes like six months to a season to embed players into the team properly. Yet you see other teams, Chelsea and Arsenal, Man City, put their new signings in straight away and they're doing well. So it's your mismanagement of it, the whole thing that isn't working. Yeah. I think it's more on mismanagement on the field, but obviously off field, 
things are being rectified as well. In terms of those new signings, like Gabby George is an unfortunate loss for the, the season ending injury. Mm. And then when you said Irie Guerrero, I went, I, in my head, genuinely, I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> she's at the club. <laughs> like, where, where, like, she's been injured, hasn't she? Because I didn't just yeah. want to say that she's just not playing. Like, that they've had injuries. I think it's been a bit of both with Guerrero of uh, injuries and not playing because I feel like she played the other week against uh, Southampton in the FA Cup, I feel like. Yeah, she came oh, off the bench yeah. for Narsund. Oh, yeah. So, like, other than that, we've not seen much of her, so it's hard to say anything about how good she is and will she bring anything into this team. And obviously with Miyazawa, she's still out, I think, yeah, they said until like yeah. time as well. So, yeah, there's just nothing seems to be going right for United in the whole women's sense of things. Whether these new changes that uh, the Ineos board are making will obviously come into effect and impact the women's side of the game uh, remains to be seen. Yeah, I think if you're a United fan, you can only hope that it's a, a positive aspect in that regard before i move on to another game i wanted to address the attendance of this it was obviously a wsl record crowd of sixty thousand one hundred sixty tickets that had been sold i i say tickets had been sold in air quotes because you know i'm sure why arsenal can't just say the actual attendance i don't know because it's still a record like why do they go into it's discourse that you know it, not everyone would want to talk about and i think it's exhausting talking about it now as i just mentioned it but yeah it's a weird one fair play arsenal you have the best fan base that's that's clear yeah definitely they will always show up when it's a, a big occasion and even not when uh, you see at um meadow park it's always uh, a full stadium and they all also uh, travel really well to away games um so yeah really good uh, support um as we go on to the other games, though, and we've been talking about uh, big attendance. Actually, can I, I, I just now it comes to my head. I'd, I'd thought of something. And it was a, just a, the only thing, weird tangent I'm about to go off because is the owner side about the best dressed male manager in the WSL? I mean, he hasn't got much competition. What, Willie Kirk, Mark Skinner? No, he hasn't. <laughs> if I, the only reason I brought this up is because I know you're like, I've, we've had this conversation with you regarding like managers' fashion. So if you were a manager, what would you want to wear? We're very different. I look at Jonas Oduar and I think, yes. <laughs> you look at it and think, put a goddamn tracksuit on. You're a manager. <laughs> exactly. To be fair, he is pretty well dressed. I do rate him that. I liked it. Like, he's, yeah. he's normal the time I was underneath, but he thought, do you know what? It's a nice day out. Get the the, the clearly like free figured costume like, jacket on right now. Get the Versace on, or whatever it was. I don't know. I'm not a fashion expert. <laughs> no, but it was a very nice attire. Next, we'll talk Liverpool versus Brighton, which a game that Liverpool won one 0 their first win of 2024, which is weird to. Think I know hearing that one afterwards. I completely forgot they hadn't won a game yet this this year. Oh, oh in the WSL, I believe that is. I was going to say they won in the FA Cup the week before. That's why it confused me at the time. I was like, 
Really? <laughs> no, yeah, the first W is our win. Well, yeah, I'm just looking now. Uh, they drew with Spurs, lost to Arsenal, lost to Man City in the WSL. You're going to lose to some teams then. That's some of them, I guess. But hey, not everyone can beat Tottenham. Continuing on, they narrowly beat Brighton and Hove Albion thanks to a goal by Kerry Holland after she'd intercepted the ball from Brighton goalkeeper Sophie Bagley off a, a loose pass. Wouldn't be the last incident involving Kerry Holland, though. She was sent off towards the end of the game after picking up a second yellow card, so she's going to be suspended for the, the next fixture after the international break. A mixed affair for Kerry Holland, we can definitely say. Which is against Aston Villa. Just thought I'd put that out there yes. for you. They are, if you weren't going to do it, I would. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the win for Liverpool has obviously got everyone talking. It leaves them in fifth place, as they were before, but now... They're only two points away from Manchester United in fourth. Yeah, I mean, uh, for everything that's uh, looked sort of wrong with Man United over recent weeks, Liverpool, although they, like you say, picked up their first WSL win, they're still right there on their coattails and two points behind them. Obviously, the main golfing difference is the goal difference between the two sides. Yeah, and Liverpool as well. I think this season they've done very well recruitment-wise as well. They've gone for like, sensible signings that have done okay with them in regard to Sophie Roman Howe. Well, she's not, not lit the league up. I think she's done very well in aspects for them. Also, you know, like Gemma Bonner's done so well. This season defensively as well. I think Taylor Hines, when she comes back, I think will be a big addition to them as well because yeah. she's been a good player for them this season as well. I Liverpool think, are doing well. Uh, Matt yeah. Beard has done a good job. Mm, I also think uh, Marie Hobinger has done really well as well since coming in. Like she's been absolutely fantastic for Liverpool. Uh, a constant, uh, like eight out of ten, nine out of ten player for them. Like she's been really uh, good. But yeah, good win for Matt Beard's side. Uh, Brighton, still a bit of pressure on them, but I think with how results went out where this weekend they're obviously uh, disappointed but more relieved uh, than anything. But there was one incident I didn't see uh, initially on the game, but I've seen replays of it uh, regarding Poppy Patterson. I don't know if you've seen that go around on Sunday evening. I had seen it. I was debating whether we talk about this. It's one of them where, like, the thing with the, retrospective action thing is we've already seen now there's an inconsistency around it because lots of women Moy hasn't been suspended for the you know the elbow on Khadija Shaw so mm. already we're looking past some things but this one I don't it's obviously not on purpose I, I don't think it was but then again was probably Rachel Daly's elbow wasn't either nor was lots of women Moy's in that case so like, I, don't, I don't know. This is my whole thing. It's a refereeing issue in both men's and women's football. I just, it's so confusing. But my thing also is how have the assistant referee on the side not seen that? Because it was right in front of her. Like, it was um, a very strange thing that that was. I mean, referee again uh, wasn't very good in, in the sense that, like, uh, she also missed it. But. Um, the fact, like you say, the consistency with 
daily being uh, suspended, then Vubba Moy not having anything taken against her, and we don't know what's going to happen with Poppy Pattinson in this one. It is something that needs to happen more, more investment and bettering of uh, match officials across the board. Yeah, I completely agree in that regard. Just to have a word on Brighton, it's their third defeat in a row, their second since Melissa Phillips was sacked last month. They seem no closer again to a, a full-time appointment, but this is becoming like a, a weekly thing now on the podcast. Like, <laughs> just count down. Have Brighton got any new managers yet? Are they even leaked to anyone? No. Okay, move on. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, lucky for them, though, they hold a five-point gap over Bristol City in the table, but big second for bottom is obviously far and away from the expectations they have for themselves oh yeah definitely and i think a lot of people have been shocked with how poor they've been performing seeing them uh second bottom i think myself included had them a lot further up but like you say where did they go from here like what is their plan for the rest of the season now we're on an international break would they be trying to get a coach in as quick as possible because they don't play again until the 3rd of March. Uh, so, what, just under two weeks' time uh, when it's that big clash at the bottom against Bristol City. Will they try and get a manager in before then, or will they just stick with, uh, is it Mikey Harris? Yeah, it is. Yes, you got it right. It's tough. <laughs> yes. Um, will they stick with him for the rest of the season? Like, it, there's been no word on it at all, which I found rather strange. Yeah, it's an odd one that's quiet. But then again, I remember like last time it was pretty quiet as well until it just came out of the blue. So you just got to let them do what they, they want to do. There's one of the things to talk about. So I watched the second half of this fully on Sky, but I'd put it on at first, like just towards the end of the first half. So, but there's actually kind of two things now when I think about it. Firstly, you just know a game isn't, entertaining when neither club's social media are posting anything about it for about 40 minutes <laughs> uh, yeah. and then also like as it goes into half time i'm thinking right tell me what happened sky caroline barker's first words are it's brighton nil liverpool nil that's it that's just like oh it really has been that bad then okay <laughs> Yeah, from what I saw on social media as well, it, uh, it didn't seem to be a good first half to write anything home about at all. No, but um, this is one game I can write home about, and we'll go on to that one next. Leicester City 5, Bristol City 2. This was this was fun. I mean, I was not expecting that scoreline at all. Not for Bristol City. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> so it's fun. It's not for Bristol City, really. Although they have this knack now of just coming from behind. Yeah, but uh, very strange uh, game. It seems like they take the lead, Bristol City, through uh, Fionn Morgan. Then Leicester get those two goals towards the end of the first half through uh, Yuka Mamika and Sayori Tekadara. And then the second half started quite crazily as well. It, it did, yes. Uh, obviously, as you said there, it was 2-1. Then they got back into it. But then, like, we need to talk first, actually, thinking about, it, about Leicester's goals. The first one, Yuka Mamiki. Oh, my Lord. Like, the nerve. Yeah. <laughs> the nerve. So, whatever she meant, I think she meant it. Because it's just a great chip of the goalie. Mm, it's just uh, very cheeky. But 
sometimes you got to take those cheeky uh, risks to get the reward, and it definitely paid off for her. Yeah, and then obviously the second goal was from another Japanese player, Sayori Takarada, again showing why she's been a good signing for them. And Janice came in and restored the lead in the second half. It was, and then Jutta Rantala scored another lovely goal with a moment of quality. Short of space on the left side of the goal, just whacked it. <laughs> it went in. Mm. Uh, I was going to do the really one of the idea. satisfying goals. You know, when the ball just dips, mm. <laughs> it's just a nice thing to see from that angle. So it's lovely to see. But all the talk of the goals, the real story is who scored the fifth one. 16 year old Denny Draper. Like, that's a story. Yeah, that is just unreal. And a moment uh, she won't ever forget anytime soon. Uh, hey, being on the bench. Uh, and then getting on in the WSL at that age and then actually getting on the score sheet as well within like 10 minutes of coming on. Couldn't have asked for a better start to life as a professional player. You definitely couldn't. And who knows like what happens with her. This is the first I've heard of her personally. So it's not, it's not much uh, I can really say. I haven't seen a lot of her of this game. And, you know, is this just another England talent? that we have to look forward to are England producing like amazing academy players. Yes. Are we the best? (laughs) Is it the best in this country? Uh, Possibly. It's definitely up for debate and research would have to be taken to (laughs) firmly come to conclusion on that one. I'm just trying to go through other games now. Oh yes. Everton won a home game. That is remarkable. More like itself. Everton won a game, let alone a home game. Everton won a game. When they win a home game, that's the remarkable one here. The first win at Walton Hall Park this season, courtesy of two goals scored by Martina Piemonte and Aurora Garley as they move away from being involved in the relegation scrap again. And interesting, the first goal didn't come until the 83rd minute. Piemonte's come on off the bench and has just pushed the team forward. She's headed in of uh, Garley's free kick. But we have to talk about Aurora Garley again because the goal she scored is, frankly, the goal of the weekend. Bellissimo. Absolutely <laughs> bellissimo. Oh. Is it right? Aurora Garley, right? We need to add her in the conversation of players that only score bangers. Oh, yeah. She's 100% in that conversation. There's no denying that she just does just score absolute worldies when she scores. Yeah, those two goals secured Everton the three points. They went seven points clear now at the bottom. A nice breathing room for them. Although there was a bit of a, like, bit of a, it was an unfortunate note at the time, but it, frankly, in the update, it was positive. Caroline Ollison was stretched off, but it was believed it was a serious injury towards the end of the game. But in an update, Everton revealed that she thankfully avoided any major injury, but she will face a short period of time on the sidelines after she received stitches. So mm-hmm. might be good news on that one because I was seeing the tweets come out of that one. It, it didn't sound good. No, it sounded uh, really horrible. I think there was like stuff that they were fearing like it was a broken leg. Which, mm. You know, that's nasty. Yeah, it's definitely. Um, whilst we were talking on this game and obviously we've been praising the fact that Arsenal had a record attendance of over 60,000. Did you see the Everton attendance? this one there was talk about this wasn't it but there's also a thing of like Wharton Hall Park actually is not the best ground mm. for 
like a women's, especially a WSL game nowadays. It's yeah, I think that's, I hadn't said this as well with the Arsenal. There was a post I'd seen this morning. It was the average percentage of how much each team is filling out in mm-hmm. terms of the attendance they can get. Arsenal, obviously, the highest. I think it was like eighty-three percent, something like that. Yeah. And then I think Liverpool were bottom. But I mean, to be fair, they here you are having to travel I to. I remember Villas was twenty-two percent, which is there's reasons for that. I think I think performances have an effect on that, especially after last season being so well. And then, yeah, but it's one of the things. I think women's football is still getting there in a way. It's like it's getting. It's okay. Like Arsenal have got years and history of to to fall back on, whereas like everyone else, they're finding their feet all of a sudden. Yeah, um, I think the problem for Everton, like you say, Walton Hall Park isn't really the best situated area for uh, fans to get to. And I know it's been a thing in the past that they've had like really low attendances, like the weekend where they had under a thousand uh, people there. And obviously performances from the club themselves this season hasn't been uh, really good. So um, that's what obviously affected them. But it is something... Is it also effort into the women's team as well from those higher up? Just isn't on their radar at the moment because they've got issues to sort out. Oh, yeah. And obviously, we don't know the latest on their takeover from... Was it seven seven? Bit of what I remember. I had Monday Night Football on last night and Jamie Carragher, you'd think, is sort of... He knows a few people with Everton and he was talking about how it's been like 20 days since... Like, if it's taking this long to get this 777 thing through then something's wrong isn't it (laughs) well yeah because wasn't there that was announced before the man united in the stuff back last year and the man united stuff has been proper tests are they going to fail that and if they obviously fail that then it's a problem because they've got someone in charge in mashiri who doesn't care right now he's checked out Mm. so it's going to be there's also i think the stuff about everton men's team if they get relegated the club goes into administration and that's going to have a down would affect on the women's team as well. Who's going to suffer the most? It's going to be the women's team. They're going to, for all we know, it becomes like a Reading situation. They just like become a semi-professional side. Yeah, I was going to say it could be very similar to what happened with Reading and obviously Birmingham City as well. Um, obviously, because the, the men's teams are more uh, well-founded and well-invested, the money that does trickle down into the women's side gets more and more affected the worst that the men's team do as well so it is something that uh everton fans will be hoping that's an issue like that can be resolved as soon as possible yeah because like we've really brought the mood down on the podcast now i'm gonna raise it up because aston villa are back <laughs> for god's sake you, you, you will be saying that after the international break when you lead no, but this time it's real because Aston Villa produced one of their better displays this season as they beat Tottenham 2-1 at Brisbane Road. Carla Woodside have struggled a lot with performances this season in the 14 league games. But you know what? I thought they did very well to match the Tottenham side that I really was worried to face before yeah, this game. I mean, definitely one of Villa's better performances of the season. Really took it to uh, Spurs in this one and... Uh, made it tough for them and if not I'd say that's probably Villa's best performance of the season Ooh, I don't know it's up there I think Tottenham had the chances and probably could have got level early on or even went ahead even like 
we went ahead for Adriano Leone, who, I'll be honest, was the best player in this match, not named Jordan Nobbs. Adriano Leone has really stepped up as a signing as the season's gone on, and even more so in this game when Rachel Daly's out of suspension. So Leone was in the middle for this game. I thought she was great. Yeah, absolutely. Is that uh, another one that Mark Skinner let slip through his fingers? <laughs> and was she Christian though? I don't know whether you know the answer. Has she been included in Canada's Gold Cup team? See, I'm going to say no, because I've, I've not heard anything in that regard. And also, Chloe Cast wasn't called up for Canada. Uh, no, Chloe Lacast is because I've just got the team here. I swear I'd heard some of that. Actually, she might not be going. Uh, give me a second. Uh, on that one, I don't know. But uh, Adriana Leone is called up yet. So she'll uh, be leaving okay, well, now. Look, I back Alicia Lehman in this case. I think she's still a decent winger at uh, Wildlife. We have options and improvements have happened, even if it is slight improvements. There's still a long way to go for what the level was last season, mm. shown by the club. But players have stepped up when, you know, someone who is relied on as much as Rachel Daly is. And I'll say Kirsty Hansen as well has done well in the last few games. I think I think we're on our way. Only three points off six. So top half finish. Don't roll it out. I mean anything can happen still. Eight games left to go in the season. Yeah. And Tottenham as well, I'd say they're looking to respond after the international break. They were fine. I think the first half was a bit of a disappointment as well. Like Villa, don't say they dominated, but they had a lot of the possession and momentum in that first half. Mm, definitely, which is unusual oh, to see. Yeah. Um, up next, though, for Spurs is that big North London derby clash against Arsenal uh, on the third, and then uh, they've got Man City in the FA Cup. So it isn't going to be an easy couple of weeks post international break for. Uh, Robert Villam's side. No, I've just realised that's... Is that the, the Emirates as well? You'd think that would be the Emirates also, wouldn't you? Uh, it is. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. So, you know, they've, they've got to turn up. I think Tottenham, they're worried. What's, well, they've already had a better season. I think they've at the level we, we would have expected of them, given the uncertainty of, oh, will it work under Robert Villaham? I think it's worked enough for them and they can take... A, sixth seventh place this season plus they got the victory in the reverse fixture if you remember martha thomas getting the only goal in that that one. was the reason i was yeah like yeah i mean who knows with arsenal to be honest it's all right turning up against the top four but then like when your rivals come along who are a bit lower and just see this as a massive occasion you got to be on it definitely Honestly, I don't think there is much else to cover. I think that, well, that was all of the WSL games for this week. Because we're obviously in it's the international break coming up. And I think personally, there's a lot to look forward to in these next two weeks, such as a Nations League finals are happening. So it's one of Spain, Netherlands, France or Germany that are going to win that. I'll have a keen eye. On that, I think, mm-hmm. I think you would as well. I'd gather you're rooting for the Netherlands in this. Yes. Uh, so 
I will be definitely rooting for them. Both games are on Friday evening at the same time. Spain, Netherlands, uh, 8 o'clock, France versus Germany. And then the final will be uh, a few days later, I believe. I think that'll be on the Monday. I would gather it would be, yeah. Monday or the Tuesday. Yeah, so you said then Spain, Spain versus Netherlands and then France versus Germany this Friday. So yeah. I think I might cover that. I'm debating if, it's, if I could actually get the games anywhere because I don't know where they're on yet. If I can find them somewhere, I might cover them over on our socials. Yes. Uh, and then obviously that would leave um, spots for the Olympics open because uh, obviously France are going to be there because uh, the Olympics are being played in France and then uh, one of the other three teams will be there potentially if France gets to the final or two of the teams would be there. Yeah, I was going to say we'll know Africa, the representation of Africa will be there as well. We'll know that this week or next week and then Asia as well as I think Japan can still qualify. Mm. Although I've seen something beforehand, there's something weird going on with Japan. Obviously, their players who are over here currently, like the Rico Irekis, the Reese Shimizu, West Ham and Leicester players, if they're called up, they they might miss the first one because they have, they can't get to Japan for some reason. I think that's what he was. I yeah, can't remember it off the top of my head, but it was a weird situation. I did see that partially, and again, I, I was very confused by the whole situation, so I'm not even going to try and explain it myself. Um, obviously, New Zealand, uh, over the weekend, they qualified for it as well, after they won 11-1, was it? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty straightforward win yeah. for them. In the end, good for them to be another major women's football tournament mm. as well. And then um, teams from North America uh, will be qualifying, I think, via the Gold Cup. Um, yeah, although we obviously know the USA are there pretty much, I think, as well. Yeah, I don't know whether they're fully there yet, but they are uh, going to be pretty much guaranteed. So uh, plenty to keep up to date. Gold with. Cup as well. Yes. Gold Cup starts. That's one we'll have an eye on, I'm sure. And then there's a, we haven't even mentioned the England friendlies are happening. We'll definitely have an eye on as well with their, their sunny winter holiday in Spain. I was going to say they are meaningless games though because they are just friendlies <laughs> against uh, Austria and Italy. So, no, hey, hello, fair, fair to them. Fair to them. Enjoy the break. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well. Still playing, but it is what it is. And other than that, that is all for this week's podcast. We'll be back next week, I'm sure. It'll probably be probably after the Nations League games. We could talk about them if we want to a little bit, mm-hmm. preview the next lot of WSL fixtures. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter at WF Talks, also Instagram at Women's Football Talk. That's all one word. We also have posts on our Substack. We're working on something currently. We'll have out in the next week, hopefully. I'm trying to get it out this week. Obviously, international break. It's going to be relevant to that. I think you think people might want to have a read of that. Just us speculating a little bit on on something. It involves the US Women's National Team. So. Want to look at for we'll probably have a video about it as well on YouTube. So want to keep an eye on on our channel there as well. And with that, both of us will see you next week. See you soon.